morning, church. Good morning. Want to introduce you guys to Grandpappy Skip. How many puppies is it so far? Six. Six puppies in the last few hours. Yeah, we started the We were watching at 11 last night, and six is about a half an hour ago. Uh, so they've got six as of a half hour ago. Well, good morning, Rivers Church. How are you doing today? Good. Did we get some momentum going? we get the lights on in here, please, guys? It's dark. Look at this place, man. We're packing it out every week. Every week I see I see new faces and I see the same faces. I see God moving in your life. Amen? We've got momentum going. What have we been focused on? Seven habits and steps of leveling up this year. We're going to rise up, right? Our, 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 our verse is to rise up. And I see that we're rising up. And our week one, I got, I got bad news for you. You're not getting a message from me today. Oh, oh no! Listen. <laughs> but listen. Week one, we talked about we talked about feeding your spirit, and Jesus said, "Man cannot live on bread alone, but by the word of God." Amen. And I taught, and I told you guys that we need to read our word daily. Last week, we talked about building your faith. And how do we build our faith? By hearing the Word of God, which correlates back to reading the Word of God daily. Amen? Amen. Okay, well listen. This church, we have a mission. Our mission is to impact those around us for Christ. And His Word is the living, breathing Word. It is all-powerful. Amen? Amen. Okay, so today... Uh, so I had the pleasure last year, uh, around the end of the year, I'd say, I got invited to the Gideon's International Banquet Dinner here in town. It was amazing. I heard great things. It got me on that kick where I came home and I ordered us those life books that we got for our young adults. Right? Okay, we ordered those. So, so, the, so I've been talking with uh, Jim and his wife, Sybil, here. We had breakfast. And Jim is our local community rep for the Gideon's International. And also we have... John Geiser, who ran out of here really quick. He probably had to use the restroom really fast. He'll be right back. He'll be right back. So, uh, anyways, folks, we're going to give our time to them today. And they're going to talk to us about the mission of spreading the word of God everywhere. Everywhere. Jim, you want to come up and say a few words? Go ahead. No pressure. He's got to carry it till John comes back. Yeah, carry it till John He's covering for John. Thank you. <coughs> no kids. The little kids. Little kids. Little kids first. And here's our speaker, John Geyser. He's our president of camp here in Yuba City. And we are very blessed to have him in our camp as our president. He's the man that gets the word out. And, and he's going to go over uh, what we do in general in Yuba City and what we do around the world, reaching the lost. And we go out every day as me and my wife, as first a witness, we go into a restaurant, ask if we can pray for the waitress, or when I go and get gas, I witness somebody. Every day, like your pastor says, we got to go out. Green mice for Jesus, and that's what we're all here for. Come on. All right. And here is Brother John. <laughs> I've never had 
had Jim as my warm-up back before. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. And if you don't mind, I'd like to open up with a short prayer. Yes. Never a bad idea. Father, may what I share today give us a greater appreciation of you to your glory. Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you will do anything to save us, not even sparing the life of your own dear son to save us. Give us, please, the gift of gratitude for all that you are and for the infinite love you have for us. And may this gratitude be too great to contain so that daily we look for others with whom to share the good news of salvation. We pray this always in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes, I got to start out with prayer then. And not to get in much trouble. <laughs> so uh, I have to apologize. I don't know what city in America this happened, but recently, somewhere in America, the local Gideons uh, went to a motel, we're kind of famous for that, and uh, talked to the manager and said, We'd love to put these Bibles in your rooms. And he said, No. Well, he didn't really say no, he said, Over my dead body. <laughs> I think a, a no would have been sufficient. Right. Well, two days later, he was rushed to the hospital with a massive heart attack. Uh, he recovered, and the first thing he did when he was strong enough to use the phone was he called his assistant manager and said, call the Gideons back. I changed my mind. <laughs> bring, bring the Bibles in. So, that wasn't exactly our doing, but you know, maybe God obviously intervened. So, when we're not giving people heart attacks, we're placing and distributing God's word. But close to time. And down in uh, Mexico City a few years ago, uh, the local Gideons were there at a high school, and they gave away 7,000 New Testaments to kids at that high school. That's a big high school. At a hospital in Mexico City called Arosa Hospital, Our Lady Gideons gave away more than 7,000 New Testaments just to the staff at that hospital. That's a big hospital. And down farther south in Bolivia at Gabriel René Moreno University, we gave away over 73,000 Testaments to the students at that college. That's a big college. And you notice my numbers are getting bigger. <laughs> I got one more. In the country of Taiwan, 500,000 or half a million hotel Bibles are stolen, uh, borrowed from our rooms every year. The people down there in Taiwan, they, they take them out of the rooms and they smuggle them into communist China. Wow. We don't do it, we just keep replacing them as they take them out of the rooms. But, uh, and even locally here in the three county area, which is our camp, we give away over 4,000 New Testaments to the young people at our junior high schools, our high schools, and at the county fairs. About 21 schools uh, all together. And you say, well, John, well, that sounds great, giving away Bibles, but what is, what's the result? What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple examples. In Norway, an atheist went to see his doctor. They have to do that, too. <laughs> in the waiting room, he saw one of our Bibles. We like to go in medical places and leave them there in the, in the uh, lobbies. He got curious, so he picked it up and started to read it. He got more curious. After his appointment, he took it home. He stole it, too. Why can't they keep stealing our Bibles left and right? <laughs> and he kept reading it all the way till the day that he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the neat thing about this, well, that's good enough. But the other neat thing about this is until the day he received salvation, he was the president, national president of Norway's Atheistic Association. So it seems like God can reach almost anybody when he wants to. Uh, another high school down in Mexico City, not the first one I mentioned, there was a, a boy named Omar. He was a Satan worshiper, and he dressed like it. And he saw the beginnings there giving away Bibles, little New Testaments like this. They're a different color, but they're that size. And he thought that was pretty cool. So he took one, and he tried to burn it. Now, what he didn't know, the pages in our little Bibles are thin. 
And apparently, I'm not a smoker, but apparently in prisons and jails, they use our Bibles to smoke their cigarettes and their marijuana all the time. So we're quite beloved in those places. And there's some joke, I've never heard the joke, I just know the name of it, it's called Smoke in Leviticus. But I don't know if they're <laughs> or anything, that's all I know. So, but he, Omar wasn't very smart. He had the Bible closed and he tried to light it on fire with his cigarette lighter. And he couldn't. And it's then that he realized that he was facing somebody stronger than Satan. So he asked us about who is this Jesus. And they explained to him and led him to the Lord. Now, Omar had four friends, part of his gang, that were standing off to the side, watching, laughing, hoping something really cool was going to happen. But it didn't. Omar got saved. So they came up to Gideon and said, what did you do to our leader? Gideon's explained what they did and explained about Jesus and led those four young men to the Lord, too. So uh, surprises all the time. Dr. David Koo, K-O-O, he entered the South Korean army and received a Gideon New Testament. He put it on the shelf for a few years, which a lot of people do. Finally, he had this urge, this curiosity to read it. He did. He got saved. Today, he's a pastor and president of New Life School in Cambodia. Wow. You probably never heard of it, but it teaches K through college. The whole gamut. Can you imagine that, going to high school or college, and there's little kindergartners running around? That would be kind of cool. Anyway, they survey the kids as they enter the school, of whatever age they do, and they find that 2% of them down in Cambodia are Christians. Wow. But by the time they graduate, they, they survey them again, and 70% are saved by that time. Wow. So thousands of people, thousands of students over the last few years have gotten saved. It all started with one little bitty $1.56 New Testament. Or I can tell you about Alberto Tico of the Philippines. He received a Gideon New Testament at school when he was a child and received Christ shortly thereafter. He grew up, he became a pastor. He got married, he had five sons. They all became pastors. Then he had 15 grandsons and two nephews. They all became pastors. 23 people in that one family, men, are pastors. And last time I checked, he and his descendants had planted over 600 churches in the Philippines wow. from, again, it started a few decades ago with one little bitty Bible. So that's very cool. Uh, also, uh, last month, yeah, September, whoops, that's loud. <laughs> we went to Live Oak Middle and High School. They're very close together, get out just a few minutes apart, so we do both at the same time. And we usually average about 350 testaments we give away to the students there. And I had a couple thoughts about that. Uh, most of the kids, I'm sure, don't live alone. I mean, how many junior high kids would live on their own? You know, in high school, maybe a couple of seniors, but most don't. And I started thinking, if we're handing out 350 testaments, and each one of these students takes the Bible home, and they live with just two other people in their household, that's about a thousand people that we're reaching with, with our testaments. And so I know sometimes these Bibles sit around for years until somebody in that household, or a friend, or a visitor, reads it, picks it up, and it's like a seed. The Bible compares itself to a seed. It sits around for a while sometimes. That's okay. Just as long as eventually somebody reads it and finds salvation. But I also had another thought about that. There were five of us who went up there, and we spent maybe 45 minutes there. And I thought, uh, we went there for just the possibility <clears throat> that someone might receive salvation. Just hoping that somebody, one person, and it would be worth their effort. But I also know that, I know this sounds crazy, but if I or the other four guys had received a vision or a dream that first we were there to literally save somebody's life, their physical life, with CPR or the Heimlich remover or something, uh, 
would we still go and do that? Well, yeah. But a pessimist might say, well, yeah, John, you save somebody, sure. Uh, but in a few years, they die something else. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and if they're on their way to hell, they're still going to hell. So, but still, it's a good thing. Just to go up there to save somebody's life for a few extra years would be a good thing. In fact, I'd be boasting about it. I'd be selling my, my business, quitting my day job, and buying an ambulance. And just driving around wherever God tells me to go and giving CPR to everybody or whoever. But the fact that we go more than that, we go, and we should be eager about this, that we go to hopefully to be used by God to save somebody's soul, and that forever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what a value you put on forever, but uh, a great value is what you, is what you do. So let me remove uh, these. So I'm going to start bringing my own pulpit. I'm going to have one custom made. <laughs> and have room. Now, I wanted just to leave the talking about the Gideon ministry just for a little bit. And if I might humbly suggest to you, to broaden your mind and your imagination to what witnessing and evangelism mean. Sure, it means sharing Christ and the good news of salvation with somebody, with a lost person, and hopefully leading them all the way to Christ. But that may not happen every time, and that may not happen today. You might call it pre-evangelism, you might call it using your influence to lead someone at least closer to Christ than they currently are, and that's not so hard to do. And I believe that's more common with practice than, than, it, it, than you might believe. And in many cases, it's necessary. Don't always lead somebody right to Christ. Sometimes just leave them a little, little further. And then somebody else picks up the, the baton and leads them a little, little further. And so um, a recent Gideon International President, Dr. Bill Thomas, he said, now I'm going to quote him, we have each been given the gift of influence for better or for worse. We are all made in the image of God who not only influences the tides of the seas and the stars in our universe, but who also influences the hearts of men. It's time we stop worrying about whether or not we have influence and start focusing on what kind of influence we are projecting on those around us. I'm going to say that again because there's a going. Uh, it's time we stop worrying about whether or not we have influence and start focusing on what kind of influence we are projecting on those around us. As men and women of faith, our greatest desire is to see others come to the same faith in the Lord. Refining our influence to reflect Christ rather than the world takes practice. You ever thought about that? Yeah, like when you get good at anything, you've got to practice. And when you share your faith and have the courage to speak into conversations about the truths God has revealed to you, you influence the listener toward Christ. When you care for someone in need, perhaps someone who seems undeserving of your time and attention, you reflect the influence the Lord has had in your own life. Who are you bringing to Jesus through your influence? How are you speaking into the lives of those around you so they cannot help but see Christ. Make a choice today not to walk away or tiptoe around conversations where you have opportunity to speak as an influencer for Christ. In fact, I think it was Jim that said a few minutes ago, when he's in a restaurant, before they eat, they ask the waiter or the waitress, they say, we're about to pray for a meal, and is there anything we can pray for you? And I know other Gideons and couples that do that, and almost always people say, well, now that you mentioned my grandmother's sick, or uh, my car broke down, or whatever. But that's one way to influence people and to help them and introduce them to prayer. Anyway, uh, give me a little bit of history here. Has anybody ever heard of Robert Rakes? Mm -hmm. Oh, you have? Mm -hmm. Okay, you have too? Uh, he, uh, give me a hint, he was, uh, lived in London in the late 1700s and he invented something wonderful. There should be statues and schools and streets named after him, but we celebrate the wrong people. 
Have anybody ever heard of the Kardashians? <laughs> yes. You've heard of them. I think, aren't they only famous for being famous? I don't know if they've invented anything or, or whatever. I even know something, and I don't follow that stuff, but there's Ken, there's Chloe. I don't know what the other ones are, but I know two of the names. Anyway, we honor and exalt the wrong people, I would say. Anyway, Robert Riggs had a burden for the poor, illiterate children in his London neighborhood. He noticed that nothing was being done to help these children, so he decided to make a difference. And you don't realize how wonderful that is. Um, you know, most people will say something like, um, they see a problem or a need, and they say somebody should do something about that, right? Well, what they really are saying is somebody else should do something about that. But Robert Riggs was different. He decided he was going to do something about himself. So he hired some women to set up schools for these poor kids on Sunday. And using the Bible as their textbook, the teachers taught the poorest children of London to read and introduced them to the wisdom of the Bible. Before long, 100 children were attending these classes, enjoying lunch in a safe, clean environment. And these Sunday schools, as they were soon called, eventually touched the lives of thousands of boys and girls. Indeed, by 1831, 51 years later, on any given Sunday, one million children were in Sunday schools in Great Britain, and all because one man cared. Boy, I don't think I've ever done one thing to affect a million people, but Robert Riggs did. But, wait, there's more. 24 years later, a young Sunday school teacher in Boston named Edward Kimball, you might have heard of him, he had a burden for boys to come to the Savior, so one day he shared Christ with a young shoe salesman named D.L. Moody who was used by God to touch two nations, America and England. And under Moody's ministry, Wilbur Chapman, he was pretty famous in his own generation, uh, reached out to a wild young Chicago White Stockings baseball player named Billy Sunday. We might have heard of him. And he led Billy Sunday to the Lord. And under Sunday's ministry, a young man named Mordecai Ham came to Christ. And he was famous down in the South. And under one of his ministries, he led Billy Graham to the Lord. And of course, then there's Franklin Graham, his son, who continues the legacy. All this because Robert Rakes invented the Sunday school, and Sunday school teacher Edward Kimball shared his faith with one young man who crossed his path. And God did the rest. So, it's good. I didn't like history when I was in high school or earlier, and now I, go, I can't get enough of it. It's just so cool. Now, you might not be another Rakes, but you might be, not be another Robert Rakes, because God has already made him. And you can't invent Sunday schools because they've already been invented. And you probably won't be another D.L. Moody. You know, he spoke to 10 million people in his lifetime. I don't mean on TV or radio. They hadn't invented it yet. I mean, in person, without microphones and speakers, he spoke to 10 million people in his lifetime. So you might not be him. You might be another Edward Kimball who led Moody to Christ, maybe. But if you're doubtful, just remember, is, is there any limit to God's power? and his love for us, or his imagination. I don't think so. Yeah. So I think our job is just to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he tells us. And boy, and just let the blessings flow from there. Isaiah 59, 1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. So there is no limit to that. And also, you shouldn't really look down. A lot of think, people think, I, I know I have. Well, I'm not a great evangelist. Or I haven't led thousands of the Lord. And, you know, so I guess God doesn't need me or doesn't want to use me. Well, don't be little, little things. Uh, John Newton, you know, the, one, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, he said, quote, If, as I go home, a child has dropped a half penny 
And if by giving it another, I can wipe away its tears, I feel I have done something. I should be glad to do greater things, but I will not neglect this. So until God uses you to great, do great things, do a lot of little stuff. <laughs> and you might be surprised how much that adds up to. But sadly, the Barna group, the research group, they said that only 26% of Christian workers can clearly see the work they're doing is serving God or a higher purpose. But how sad and how unnecessary that is. You know, they say, and I don't know how they figured this out, but they have. <laughs> a person hears the gospel message 7.2 times before they come to Christ. Hmm. So, if you are number 7.2 and leading that person to Christ, you see the result of all those efforts, the other people before you, and your effort, you see them coming to salvation right in front of you. But, but think about the numbers. If it's 7.2 times for an average, there's a whole lot more number ones and number twos and number three people than there are the number 7.2 people. So don't get so discouraged if you're not the number 7.2 person. Because somebody's got to do that. I don't think they skip numbers. I think you got to go one, two, three, right till you get to, to that. Uh, Bill Fay, he's a, a kind of a famous Gideon and a, because of business, he travels a lot by plane. It was September 10th, 2001. He was on a plane going to business. And once things settled down and the flight attendant wasn't so busy, he started to witness to her. And she reacted with a little bit of hostility. And he thought, wow, what's going on? So he sort of backed off a little bit and just sort of asked some gentle questions. And he found out the reason she was a little bit hostile, a little bit patient, she said to, to Bill, she said, you're like the, the fifth or sixth person in the last two weeks that wanted to tell me about Jesus. Mm. He goes, well, can I? Okay. <laughs> so he did, and he led her to the Lord. And remember, this was September 10, 2001. The next day was 9-11. And on that fateful day, she was working again on another plane, the one that went down in the field mm. of Pennsylvania. So if you ever think or doubt that God can see the future, I'm thinking he must have. Because he was sending people to this lady in her final days of life, which she had no idea at that time it was her final days. Amen. And the neat thing, or interesting thing about that, the plane came down to the steep angle, it made a 10-foot deep crater. It just missed an elementary school, but it landed so close that ceiling tiles from the school fell off the ceiling onto the floor. But nobody, nobody died except the people on board the plane. Wow! But that's again, I think some uh, God intervened. So you might say, okay, John, this sounds real good, but how else can I witness to people? I'm not, I'm kind of shy and so forth. And I said, well, I part of the answer, and there's many answers to that, is uh, your character. And, and love can reach people better than even words. And do anybody here read the Daily Bread? Those little booklets. I just get little nuggets of wisdom out of them. And they're really easy to read. You don't have to read 500 pages to get something out of them. Well, this one with an article recently came out, and it was called Running Into Love. It says, Nora was tiny, but Bridget, not a real name, uh, the belligerent six-foot-tall woman glowering down on her didn't intimidate her. Bridget couldn't even say why she had stopped at the crisis pregnancy center. She had already made up her mind to get rid of this kid, quote-unquote. So Nora gently asked questions, and Bridget rudely deflected them with profanity-laced tirades. Soon Bridget got up to leave, finally declaring her intent to end her pregnancy. Slipping her small frame between Bridget and the door, Nora asked, Before you go, may I give you a hug, and may I pray for you? No one ever hugged her before, not with healthy intentions anyway. Suddenly, unexpectedly, the tears came. Nora beautifully reflects the heart of our God. Bridget's history is complex, many of us can relate. Until she ran into real love that day, her belief had been that God and his followers would only condemn her. 
Noah showed her something different. Yes, God won't ignore our sin, but it's because he loves us and he welcomes us with open arms, we don't have to keep running. So, right there, it doesn't say if she led Bridget to the Lord then or somebody else did, but man, I, I know she opened some doors <laughs> for that to happen. So, uh, let's see, where am I going next? Oh, yes, character. <coughs> it kind of counts. Isn't that a phrase? They make bumper stickers out of that or something. Uh, and the fruit of the Spirit, you know, Galatians 5, I think it is, uh, means something. Um, some years ago, when my business was first opening, I had a young man named Rudy, not, not a Christian. He was helping me unload a truck. And we were carrying a big, heavy fish tank. We brought it into the, the warehouse, and we set it down on the concrete. Glass is a funny thing. You can set it down hard sometimes, and it's fine. You can set it down gently sometimes, and it'll crack. It's right. just a funny thing. Well, this time it cracked. And Rudy and I were the only ones in the warehouse. Nobody else was witness to what happened. And he said, Mr. Kaiser, let's just tell the distributor it came that way. Because otherwise, I stood lose $200. Good money. And I said, Rudy, you're right. Nobody but you and I and God knows that we cracked the fish tank. And the distributor I was buying one, I was spending several thousand dollars a week and always paying my, my bills on time, never bouncing checks and so forth. Even if they thought I was lying, they still would have given me the money they didn't care. They said, it's just not right, it's not right. And then for the next several minutes, Rudy said nothing, and he's a very talkative fellow. And I could almost see the wheels <laughs> turning around. Because it's one thing to say you're a Christian and you love people and you love God and so forth. But when it comes to money, the world will judge you strictly by how you handle money, or how, how tight you are with it, or how generous you are with it. So I don't know, I haven't seen Rudy since then, I don't know if he's saved, I pray he is, but I hope I reached him somehow, and made a, a difference. Just because he saw, by my example, I was willing to give up $200, and I didn't have to. So uh, so you can do that too, <laughs> you don't have to own a pet store or nothing, you can do that too. Or one more, I think I've got time, we're, we're looking good on the time. Um, most of you don't know, but several years ago, my house burned down. Mm -hmm. wow. You know what that feels hard for me? I got, I got really good insurance. Nationwide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Any nationwide agents in the, in the room? Okay, all right. They replaced everything. But I could almost write a book about that experience. And, and, and my wife and I, neither one of us liked to shop. So the insurance company was giving us these big checks, but we didn't really enjoy shopping. I, I said, don't you have some girlfriends? I'd love to shop. <laughs> Could have got somebody else to do that for us. Anyway, try to shorten this a little bit. I didn't have everything inventory. I mean, who, who knows how many socks you have in your drawer or how many uh, forks you have in the kitchen or something. But they go by the value of your house and your income level, and they have this little 35-page thing, list of everything you probably own. I said, wow, that's actually kind of scary close to what I think we really own. <laughs> but they made two uh, big mistakes. Uh, one, they had me down for $2,300 worth of Christmas ornaments. Because I had a storage shed with my, you know, during the off season, I keep the ornaments there. And I go, no, I don't have $2,300. Maybe $300. Okay, so they took away $2,000. And then they put me down for $2,000 lawnmower. Riding lawnmower? No, I live on the side of a hill. I roll that baby and hurt myself every time I got on it. So no, no, take that back. So they took back that $2,000. So they wrote me a check for $4,000 less than they could have given me. But I was honest. And I believe, and I can't prove it, that they have a code when they're dealing with people. Because people, a lot of people rip off insurance companies. They figure they're rich and they're big and they deserve it or whatever. I paid all these premiums, I deserve whatever. 
And I had Christian friends tell me, go for the money, John. Go for the 4,000. What are you doing? They were, they were mad at me. I said, I said, is God on vacation right now? <laughs> is he asleep? He's not writing this down? I said, I think he knows what's going on. So I said, no, 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 I can't do that. And so I also sprinkled in my conversation, either by email, phone, in person, dealing with three different adjusters. You know, you could just drop it. You could say something about your pastor, or I look forward to Sunday. We have a guest speaker this Sunday at church. Just to let them know that I'm a Christian, in case they had any questions, you know, want to talk, ask about Jesus, I was available. And so I think they knew that I was a Christian, and I think they wrote down in their little code that I was honest, that I was giving the $4,000 back. So at the end of this whole long process, takes months and months, when I thought everything was, was over, and I was looking at the paperwork that they wanted me and my wife to sign, which says, we absolve you of any further obligation, you've given us all the money we need, and thank you very much, and see you later. They told me uh, on the phone, the lady adjuster says, you know, Mr. Graves, I don't think we've given you enough money. You don't? <laughs> who, who says that? <laughs> okay. Well, I think, well, you do what you think best. I, I'm satisfied. I'm willing to sign this. But whatever you think best, that's fine. You're the adjuster. I don't know how these things work. Well, the next day, they wired $60,000 into my checking account. Wow. So I didn't know by giving up the 4000 over here, I was going to get 60000 over here. And I'm not real good at math, but I, that's a good deal, right? <laughs> and, but the funny thing about that is, I think God, uh, I personally believe this, uh, he rewards us in heaven, we know that, that's, that's true. Every now and then he rewards us now. Just to let us know he's paying attention, he's watching, boy, keep up the good work, <laughs> whatever. And, and I was very happy to receive the 60000 but now it's been several years, I really don't know where it went. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought I was blessed, and I was, then, rather than receive my reward later in heaven, but now I'm kind of going, I think I'd rather have my heaven reward in heaven, <laughs> because the 60,000 is gone. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's how these things work. <laughs> so, so, but I, I hope, I hope, I just impacted, influenced those adjusters that were dealing with me, that Christians should be honest people, and uh, maybe, maybe that'll do some good. Anyway, if you're a Christian, which I hope all of you are, <laughs> you've been given a great gift, it's called salvation. You've also been given a great commission to tell others about your salvation. But you'll say, John, I'm shy, how can I do this? Okay, in uh, Mark 5.19, after Jesus healed a man with an evil spirit, he told the man, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. The man didn't need to preach a powerful sermon. He didn't need to go to seminary. He simply needed to share his story. If you are saved, you have a story and a ministry to share that story with other people. And no matter what people might say or counterdict what you're saying, no one can really contradict what God's done for you. Right. you know, they might think, oh, this isn't true in the Bible. That's not true, whatever. But they can't, can't say you're wrong about what God's done for you. Well, uh, it's my life. I, I, I was there when it happened. So, first of all, um, I'm going to make it a little easier on you guys when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission. You can help, in part, fulfill your part of the Great Commission by helping us fulfill the Great Commission. And first and foremost, you can pray for us. Uh, there's nothing better that you can do than that. Uh, British Pastor Samuel Chadwick, you can Google him, he said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our tools and he mocks our wisdom. But he trembles. So let me pray. Um, How about that? 
I guess that's a little more powerful weapon than I thought. <laughs> uh, you could become an official prayer partner of the Gideons. I can't show you the secret handshake. Can't. But if you don't want to join us, you're not qualified to join us, I brought some brochures, and you can be a prayer partner, and you can buy our Bibles. If you want to, the little ones I showed you. Um, you'll get a, a quarterly newsletter. tells you some great stories. And you'll get some emails from us to pray for us. And there's 25 people now in our camp that are prayer partners. Just helping out. And I like to let them know before we go out on a distribution. Last Thursday, we were out in Williams. There's three schools out there. We gave out 150 testaments to the kids and some parents, too. But I love it. I said, John, why didn't I think of this years ago? I talked to myself. I'm sorry. Not out loud. Not out in, in here. Uh, I, need, I need to get more and more people to pray for us before we go on these. Because sometimes we encounter resistance. And I've been doing this for 22 years. We encounter more resistance now than we did 22 years ago in this country. So you can pray for us. You can give. If you did not prepare to give today, we brought some uh, brochures, little hand inserts. And there's an envelope in there with our local address on it. Um, also, uh, I had, oh yeah, we brought some app cards. Oh, I left it over there. They're magic. I'm pretty sure. There's 777 languages on the app card. You can download it on your phone. You know. And what I like about them is you'd be surprised. People come in my business. I give out English and Spanish Bibles. Every now and then somebody comes in and asks for Russian or Portuguese. I don't stockpile Russian and Portuguese Bible. That's too much money in this book. So I hand them an app card. I said, you download them. That language is right there. So that's where they go. And then we have these life books. It's the Book of John or the Book of Mark, your choice. They're free. You go to thelifebook.com. And usually youth pastors work with high school kids because that's what it's made for. For high school kids to give it away at high school to other high school kids. And the government and the ACLU, I don't think they really stop them. <laughs> because you put it in your backpack and not during class, but between classes during lunch, they can hand them out. Uh, so far this year, our, our fiscal year, the local high school kids have given away 4,500. Estimates to other high school kids. And they can go into the classrooms and onto the campus, but we have to stand outside on the sidewalk. So they do that. And finally, um, I want to encourage you you need to get involved and you need to do something. Uh, somebody said this, and I can't quote them, or I can quote them, but I can't give them credit. It says, While it is true that not every person has a spiritual gift of evangelism, some people do have a gift for it, we are all called to do the work of an evangelist. And Hudson Taylor, you might have heard of him, he was the 19th century great missionary to China. Hudson said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in little things is a great thing. So my command to you as guest speaker, whatever authority I have, is to go out and do great things. Do little things faithfully and you'll be doing great things. And we have a, a short little video. All right.
And as she sits next to people and talks to them, she hands them out. She hands them out. Oh. I have people going to the prisons. I have people, because everybody, your pastor can't get everywhere. And you can't get everywhere. But everybody has their own unique path line they go through life and encounters with people. And so uh, I know there's uh, literally thousands of people have gotten saved from that $2 million investment. So I think it's a good deal. <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> well, that was great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, I was. I'm really encouraged. Okay, we got ten minutes. I'm gonna hold you hostage. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You were like, dude, what are you doing? Listen, I've been alone in a cold, dark place, just like that video. That's right. I found a Gideon's Bible. Just like that. And I've been in dark places where they have the little pocket-sized one, too. Yeah. You don't want to go there. But I have one there, too. Yeah. And you want to know something? That was God. God at work. And that is through the work of the Gideon. You know, I think the first time I ever heard the word Gideon, it was like, oh, is that a cult? Yeah. No! No! They're out doing their, they're like They're like the mega ministry. Spreading and sharing God's word in every language they can print it in. Putting it every single place they can to spread God's word to every corner. So uh, I'm really grateful for their time today. Uh, John and Jim will be, there's a table on the way out. Uh, they have all the books set up out there. If you want to look at some of those, ask any questions, see how we can, if you can partner with them, if you'd like to partner with them, if you'd like to give a love offering towards spreading the word of God. Um, but I, I'm really grateful that you guys came out. And I brought some extra little New Testaments. Little New Testaments. The giveaways. The giveaways. Yeah. All right. So let's close today. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the ministry that you've given us, Lord, that we're, we're to go out into the world, Lord, and to tell everybody about you, Lord, and to share the good news, Lord. And we do that through your word, Lord. And we can do that even more, Lord, through, through handing out your word, Lord, and just getting it out to as many people as we can. And we thank you for what you've been doing through the Gideons, Lord. And we thank you for what you're doing through our communities here, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing through these two men that came out today, Lord. I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to continue to do on this ministry that you've that you so graciously put in our hands to do, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, next week, speak the word. Speak the word. <laughs>